Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us hear uh, Luther's explanation to the Ninth and Tenth Commandments. The Ninth Commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not craftily seek to gain our neighbor's inheritance or home, nor get it by a show of right, but help and serve him in keeping it. The Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his cattle, nor anything that is his. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tempt, force, or coax away from our neighbor, his wife, or workers, but urge them to stay and do their duty. Dear fellow redeemed, one day when my son was a preschooler, he asked his mom, is Laverne our neighbor? He doesn't live next door, but he is our neighbor, answered my wife. My son then said, he should not be coming to our house. My wife was puzzled. Why is that? My son answered, the Bible says you shall not come to your neighbor's house. The word covet isn't one that we often use in everyday conversation, but both the ninth and 10th commandments begin with the words, you shall not covet. In its most basic meaning, to covet means to desire or take pleasure in. In the ninth and 10th commandments, covet refers to a desire to have, a sinful desire to have what belongs to our neighbor and to have things that God has forbidden us to have. Why have two separate commandments regarding coveting? The ELS explanation to the Catechism answers that God has given us two commandments that say you should not covet to impress upon us that greed, envy, and jealousy are very serious sins, especially because they are the root of so many other sins. In other words, sin begins in the heart with our desires. God has given the ninth commandment to protect our home, 
the place where we live or make a living. The Tenth Commandment addresses the desire to take from someone else those whom God has given them as helpers and employees. In recent months, in connection with the hit movie, we have seen TV ads featuring Barbie's dream house. Have you ever considered what your dream house would be? What kind of house would you like to live in? A big one? For example, for children, maybe they would like a house where they could have their own bedroom or have a big yard to play in. Teenagers or adults would like their own bathroom. In the Old Testament, we read of a wicked king named of Israel named Ahab. King Ahab lived in a dream house, a palace. He had more rooms than a schoolhouse. He had a big yard. He owned stables full of horses, but he wasn't happy. He had a neighbor named Naboth who owned a vineyard. King Ahab had so much, but he wanted more. He wanted to turn Naboth's vineyard into his own garden. But Naboth didn't want to sell it because it was in his inheritance and it had been in his family a long time. Do you remember what Ahab did? He killed Naboth and stole Naboth's vineyard. Do you suppose that that made Ahab happy? No. God sent a prophet named Elijah to condemn Ahab to death. Before he could even get a chance to enjoy his stolen vineyard, Ahab was killed in a war. What good did, did that vineyard and all those rooms in that big house and all those stables do Ahab then? Was he able to move into a better home after he was dead? No. He ended up living with the devil and his angels in a place worse than you and I can imagine. Ahab should have thought more about where he was going to live forever than about where he's going to spend a few years on earth. We don't have to make Ahab's mistake. Whether you live in a small, crowded, ugly house or a big, roomy, pretty house someday, uh, you are not going to have to live there uh, very long. Jesus tells us he is preparing a place for us in heaven, whereby faith we will live with him forever. So our primary focus in this life should not be on the kind of house we are living in here. Psalm 16 prophesies Jesus praying these words to God. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. My, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Notice how the psalmist David uses real estate talk to show the kind of trust that Jesus, true God and true man, has in his heavenly Father. Through Moses, God gave the Israelites inheritance laws. He did this to show he, how he wanted to provide a lasting home for his people. Since our earthly lives don't last very long, God taught the idea of forever by giving a farm to a family forever. Property was divided among the children with the oldest son getting twice what everyone else got. A man could not sell his farm. He could only lease it, and then only till the next jubilee year, which came every 50 years. The family farm was a shadow, a picture of the eternal inheritance in heaven. Faith looked past mere dirt and trees on earth to a home and a state in heaven. As true God, all things belong to Jesus. But when he became man, he humbled himself to the point of not having a place to call his own in this world. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Though he was the richest person in the universe holding the title to heaven and earth during his earthly ministry, 
Jesus was dirt poor. He relied on money, food, and shelter donated by those he taught. Yet Jesus, uh, the Bible yet the Bible says that we are Jesus' inheritance. We are his most prized possession. By his death, he has purchased and won us, delivering us out of the grasp of death and the devil. Because of this, we too have an inheritance for which to thank God. We may not have a lot of real estate, but didn't Jesus promise that he's preparing a place for us in the Father's house? Didn't he promise us a treasure in heaven that can't be stolen or spoiled? Heaven is our inheritance. That's because we are really inheriting Jesus. He is the priceless treasure which the Father has left to us. What can a 6,000 acre farm do for you that will last into eternity? What joy can a nice house, a big yard, and tons of appliances really bring you? You only end up with more grass to mow, more walls to wash and paint, more machines to fix and keep running. And if you ever get rich enough to afford others to do all these things, then you have to worry about thieves, crooks, the IRS, and a host of other problems. How silly it is then to think that more land, a nicer house, more rooms, or finer furniture will make us happy. How sinful to plot and struggle and scratch and scrape in order to get all these things and lose sight of and even title to our inheritance in heaven. Many think they have to work seven days a week to earn enough to pay for what they have or what they want. They miss out on getting together with God's people to get to know Jesus better just so they can get more stuff. Jesus has something better in store for us than all that. Only Jesus can offer lasting happiness. He offers happiness that lasts even when the house you live in has wind whistling through the cracks, when the furniture is crates and boards, and when the yard gives you three or uh, three feet of room uh, from the ne next door neighbor. This happiness frees us to enjoy, uh, frees us to enjoy what we have. That way we do not craftily seek to gain our neighbor's inheritance or home. Rather, it frees us to help those around us enjoy what they have instead of being unhappy that they have it. Even more, we help and serve him in keeping it. We can do that through various Christian relief agencies and fraternal societies. We can also help those right in front of us, helping our neighbors in need financially or lending them a hand in the upkeep of their property. When we help our neighbor hold on to his possessions, we are laying an offering of thanks on God's doorstep for all the good things he has given us in the name of Jesus. All we have comes from God. By faith in Christ, we are free to enjoy what he gives us and free to help our neighbor enjoy and keep what God has given them. Amen. Let us pray. O oh God, you command me not to covet my neighbor's house. May I so fear and love you that I do not desire to get my neighbor's possessions by scheming or by pretending to have a right to them, but cause me always to help and serve him in keeping what is his. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Amen.